0: Well, good morning. I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. It's an honor to be with you here in person and as well as online. Thank you for joining us online as well this morning. Um, I think you know this is generally true, but I just want to talk about this for a minute, that that not every product that is created actually works the way that it's supposed to work. Um, Who is around for the debut of the 1958 Ford Edsel? All right, a few of you. How many of you bought one? Did you know, did you know, in 1958, Ford Motor Company came out with what was going to be the new flagship Ford motor car, and it was the Ford Edsel, named after the Ford Motor Company's son, Ed. Edsel, I guess he gets his own car. They were confident that it was gonna be an amazing product rollout, but the Edsel lasted only two years, and actually lost Ford Motor Company $350 million. It was so bad that if you actually were to have bought an Edsel, Ford Motor Company would lose $3,200 every time you bought one, which is the price of a brand new one. So you needed to buy two to make it worth it. The Ford Edsel, a great product, if you like products that fail. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but for me, when I get a product, like I want it to deliver what it's supposed to do. Just a couple of months ago, my wife and I, my family and I were flying. We came from Florida up here and we bought a product. The product we bought was an airline flight. And the airline decided to separate my wife from my family and put her on a different flight at the very last minute. I only knew that when I checked in. And so I would look at that and I'd say, that's a product, failure. (laughs) The product that was designed to get us together in one space to the next together, all of a sudden, Jen is flying at a completely different time than I am. I look at that and think, that's not the way it's designed to be. And I don't know about you, but those moments in life tend to be frustrating. Just this past weekend, my daughter's car started shaking when she was driving it. And she called me, she's like, Dad, I don't think I can drive it anymore. I'm like, let me come see it. And I came, like, sure enough, we better not drive it. And we had to get it towed. And it's a pain, isn't it, to deal with things that simply don't work. Now, for you, it may be something different. It may be the check engine light on your car like it was for us. It could be a washing machine. It could also be a teacher. It could be a student. It could be a parent. It could be a relationship. It could be your faith journey right now. It could be something in your life, whatever it is, it isn't quite working the way that you wish that it was working, that the thing that you expected and hoped would be in the right place and aligned well is simply not. You know, I wish that things would always work like (laughs) as simple as a hammer and a nail, right? Many of you know I'm incredibly gifted. I have the hammer, just (laughs) so you know. All right? Take it easy. All right. Now, I have, for those who do not know, I have managed quite a number of feats over the years with my hands, one of which is locking myself in the shed as I was testing the new um, door handle that I put on it. But it was secure, I'll tell you that. (laughs) But wouldn't it be nice if life was as simple as this, where you may not be able to see it all the way back there, but I have three different nails in this piece of wood here. By the way, this lumber, I think, is valued at $500 these days. (laughs) So I'm going to watch this thing afterwards, all right? But I have a couple different nails in here, and it would be awesome. Like, we wake up every day, and we think, here's my day. I'm just—I can't hit it too hard on this thing, but if I could just, you know, bam, nail it down, one for one. Woo! I'm not going to try that going any further, because the other ones are too big. So what I have here is a long, it's about an inch and a half, two inch finishing nail right here, and another kind of a common nail over here. The common nail is obviously a bit bigger than the the finishing nail and has a bigger head for me to bash it on. But the problem for me, and I don't know about you, but is when when I hit some of these nails, if they're not quite in a sweet part of the wood, if they're in a knot, and I got a couple knots in here, then on a finishing nail, especially with this much showing off the top, about an inch and a half off the top, sometimes I'll miss it and I'll strike it sideways and it'll bend. You ever have that happen? It doesn't work right. And part of that is—I mean—that can't be user error, right? So that has to be—that has to be something wrong with what the product is. And I don't know about you, but we wake up and kind of think, "I want to nail my day. Like whatever it is that I want to get done today, whether it's raising my kids or advancing in my career or pursuing whatever it is I want to pursue, I just want to get up, bam, and nail. It, and I wish the day would work, boom, just like that, clean, boom, just like that. The relationships." Fixed just like that. That would be incredible. Here's what we know, and all of us know, we may not put it in these terms, but here's what we know about success. That success actually is found where quality and purpose align. You may not put it in those terms, but that is what we find to be true. That success, when I have a good nail and good wood with a good hammer and I hit that, the purpose of the nail is met. It actually is accomplished what it's meant to do. Success on that nail. But when quality, like the Ford Edsel, is a terrible product, it was meant to be, and purposed to get people one place to the next, but the quality did not line up with purpose. Not successful. My trip on the airline, the quality of customer service, low. The purpose was fulfilled. It got us there, but the experience, not fulfilled. I would not call that a successful moment. The quality and purpose, when they align, you and I experience success. That's just the way that life tends to work. Just... Kind of throughout all of life is kind of the way that, that tends to work. Now, here's what I want to say about us in terms of faith. This isn't just a, um, a, a self-help message. This principle, I think, is true across the board. But when it comes to faith, when it comes to matters of faith and understanding who God is, for people who are interested in following God, particularly following Christ, here's what I believe, that the deeper your purpose is aligned to the purpose of God the greater your success is that your purpose in comparison to the purpose of God the greater the alignment there the greater the success you experience because I don't know about you but I it is rare the morning is rare when I wake up and I verbalize man I want to be successful today and success happens where quality and purpose align like I don't say that you don't either but I get up and you get up We go about our day with the activities that we have, and I I want us to pause here and think about how we approach our days and how we align quality, because you want to do great work with the work of your hands. You want your reputation to be strong. You don't want to waste your day, waste your talent, or waste your energies. How do we align the quality that God has given each one of us with the purpose that he might have for this world and maybe for those who want to follow him? And so what we're going to do this morning is we've been in this series called Stronger. It's not about us getting stronger as much as it is about seeing that God is a God who is a God who is stronger and provides strength for us. And it's an invitation to see again the strength of God, through some challenging times. And we're in the book, Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to that Old Testament book of Nehemiah. If you don't have a Bible with you, no problem. There's a Bible in the chair near you. That's our gift to you if you don't own one. We'd love to have you take that with you. Nehemiah is a book in the Old Testament, the first third of your Bible. Easiest way to find that is if you look for the Psalms and then back up a couple chapters, a couple pages, you'll find Nehemiah. And Nehemiah chapter one is where we're at. We're going to just spend some time in a few verses this morning. Verses eight to 11 is where we're going to be this morning in chapter one of Nehemiah. I'm picking up an account where this man named Nehemiah was in prayer to God, was talking to God about the problem that was right in front of him, that his city was in ruins. And he wanted a way to figure out, how do I react and respond to the problem that is right in front of me? And so Nehemiah is in prayer, and we're picking up the middle of that prayer in verse 11. And here's what we read beginning at verse 8. We're going to go 8 to 11 this morning. He says this, Remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Let's pause it right here for a minute and look at a couple of verses here. Look at verse 8 again with me. Now that begins. He says, remember, he's praying to God, he said, God, remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses. I just want you to see for a minute that Nehemiah is returning God's attention to the very things that God has said that he would do. Nehemiah is coming back to God and saying, God, I want you to to remember, I want to connect with you to the deeper heart of who you are and how you want this world to work. He's asking God, he's saying, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. He's technically tying into God the relationship that God said he would have with his people through what was known as the Mosaic Covenant. Nehemiah is going back to God and saying, God, as a part of the fabric of the nation of Israel, part of the way that you have said that you would relate to us as people, he's relating to the the father heart of God, saying, God, this is how you want to relate to your people. You have given us some instructions. I want to go back to how you said that you would relate to us. I want to go back to the heart of how you relate to your people. And this is what you said you would do. He goes on, he says, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you. That's what he said in verse 8. But, verse 9, If you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now look at that in verse 9. He says, Even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, like even there, even there, I'm going to be able to bring them back. This is a big promise from God. This is a huge promise from God. And this is exactly where Nehemiah found himself right now because his people were exiled to the farthest horizon. And he's just saying, God, you have promised that when things get really bad and people are scattered all over the place in a way that I don't even have their email addresses anymore, right? I can't connect with them. You somehow know them. You can help bring them back. And I guess I would have the question for you during this season. Do you have family members scattered at the farthest horizon in your family? Do you have relationships that have been scattered? What feels like on the farthest horizon? Do you have your own hopes and dreams that feel like they've been scattered to the farthest horizon? Do you have your wishes of what could be or should be that have been scattered to the farthest horizon? Do you have your intentions and your family that when you look at it, you think there there is such distance now that wasn't there months ago, years ago, weeks ago. And all of a sudden, God, when I look out at the people who matter to me, at the people who've had a part of my history, at the people even who have shaped me in my faith, When I look out and I see what I thought I could become and what I thought you were drawing me to be, if I'm gonna be honest, God, I feel like there's a part of my life that is scattered to the farthest horizon. And I may not have put it in those words, but if I'm honest, that's kind of what I see. And the question is, can God draw back and bring together and restore that which is broken? Can he bring back from the farthest horizon that which we look at with longing and desire and say, God, if only you could, and if only you would, I would long for you to bring back this relationship. I'd long for you to bring back healing here. I'd long for restoration. I need to be honest about this. This is a difficult question for me to ask and answer because there are times, and you've probably experienced this, Where you have lost relationships that you have not regained in your life, and you don't anticipate regaining them. There are times when people we love pass away, making it impossible on this lifetime to bring back from the farthest horizon, if you will, those we love. There are times when the hopes and dreams that I had actually were the wrong hopes and dreams, and I'm glad they weren't brought back from the farthest horizon. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, there has to be an ability for us as people today, as we walk and live together, to recognize this unique challenge that there is a difference between God doing what He said He would do and God doing everything that I want Him to do. And I want to clarify this expectation and nuance just for a minute that just because I declare that a relationship is broken and is at the farthest horizon, it doesn't It doesn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't make God um, accountable to me. It doesn't force God to respond to me, to do what I want him to do. Just because I wish that a marriage would be healed or saved and I declare it to be so doesn't mean that God will indeed save it, right? Just because I wish that there could be a future that could be different doesn't indeed mean that God is all of a sudden obliged to my wishes, right? Right? which is what gets into our conversation about purpose. If success is a place where quality and purpose align, here's one of the incredible benefits, in my opinion, about Christianity and the Christian worldview. And if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're curious about the Christian worldview, what, what is it about? What is, is there depth to this? Is there meaning to this? Is there strength to this? It's in this space that I think Christianity steps in and offers hope that any other belief system finds it incredibly difficult to offer. Christianity offers this hope that that meaning and purpose in life, that purpose, meaning, can be discovered and is not just created. It's an important nuance to understand. That Christianity offers this hope that purpose in life is not just about creating it for yourself, but discovering it beyond yourself. That is a uniquely Christian offering. And here's what I mean. I have created all kinds of meaning in my life, and maybe you have too. When I was younger, I created all kinds of meaning around athletics and basketball. I created meaning and I wrapped up my identity around what I could do on the basketball court. I created identity around what my next steps might be. I created identity around my relationships, who I was dating or who I should be dating or who was interested in me and who wasn't. I created identity around my academics about how much you know, interest I might have in this topic or that topic. I created identity. And maybe some of you are in that space now. Creating identity is actually incredibly normal. Most of us wake up every day and we live, believe it or not, in a created identity space. We have created an identity that we find value in raising our children during this season. And there's nothing wrong with that, good grief, nothing wrong with that. But we can create a meaning it says, My life is meaningful when my children respond well and when we have incredible interactions with the family. We can create meaning around generosity, that in this season of life, maybe for you, that what you find most meaningful is being a generous and benevolent person. Very much appreciate that, a good thing. But when suffering and trial and struggle come, created meaning washes away. When children reject you and you no longer can give or the place you gave to has a scandal and you can't believe that you gave all this money to this organization, it's falling apart. When trial and tribulation hit, created meaning is shed. Some of us have created meaning around dieting. If only I lose this amount of weight or look this much better, then I will have a created meaning that I will be be better. And we create and make our own meaning. But when trial and tribulation, health crisis strike, created meaning cannot withstand the pressure and weight of life. Discovered meaning is very different. Discovered meaning says this, that there actually is a purpose or a meaning that goes beyond my existence. And when I align myself to that, all of a sudden I have a purpose that can transcend pain, struggle, and suffering. When I align, if you will, this nail with this hammer, and I find that the purpose drives straight and true through my life, that it doesn't matter if health hits or a financial struggle hits or a personal identity crisis hits because I am tied and tethered to a deeper meaning and purpose. For the Christian, meaning and purpose is discovered, not created, which is why Nehemiah takes the time that he does to say in verse 8, Remember, God, do you remember the covenant you made with Moses? That when they were unfaithful, you'd scatter them? But do you also remember that when we return to you, you would gather us from all over the place? He is verbalizing a discovered meaning, a rediscovery of the nation of Israel, that the nation of Israel is in the, the heart and the plan of God to be a people who are gathered together no matter what. And so Nehemiah is taking that moment to rediscover what it is that God has, God has for the nation of Israel. And then he goes on in verse 11 to be very bold. He says in verse 11, he said, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king, he says. Oh, this verse is amazing. He says, Lord, let your ear be attended to the prayer of this your servant. You know what he's doing. Nehemiah is positioning himself, if you will, as the nail. He's saying, God, you have a purpose. I just want to be here to let you drive it through me. As your servant... Your purpose is going to come through me, and so I want alignment with your purposes. I want you to bring that. And then he says, and to the prayer of your servants, a nameless plural group of people. He's saying that all servants, all people who, he says, he puts it in his words, who delight in revering your name. He's saying for all people, who would consider themselves servants, for all people who would put themselves in alignment with you. God, I'm going to ask you to hear their prayer. I'm going to ask you to be attentive to their prayer. And then here's what he's praised specifically for himself. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Give me success, he's saying. And what have we talked about success being this morning? we put it this way. That success is found where quality and purpose align. You know why I defined it this way? Because this is what the Old Testament word means. When Nehemiah says success here, it's used 65 times in the Old Testament. And it means this. When something works well and like it's supposed to. That's it. Wouldn't that be great if all products met that simple criteria? It works well and like it's supposed to. It works well quality and like it's supposed to purpose when quality and purpose align we have success in the Old Testament This word is used for weapons when weapons were made well and did what they were supposed to do success Used for clothing didn't wear out Used for trees when they would grow like they're supposed to and bear fruit like they're supposed to it's not complicated It's just something that works well and like it's supposed to. And when you find products like that, you buy them. And when you don't, you tell stories like I did about how a company separated our family. Right? It's simple. Success is when quality and purpose align. And here's what Nehemiah is saying is he's saying, God, I believe that what I want from you, I want success today. I'm going to be unafraid to ask you for success. I want my life to be a success. I want this moment to be a success. I want success. I want to give quality that is aligned to the purpose of God. And that is the uniquely Christian perspective that Nehemiah brings. He's saying, I want all the quality of my hands to be in alignment with the discovered purpose of God. I want to be in line, God, with what you want. You want people who are scattered all over the world to be brought together in this nation. I know that because you have told me that. It's not that I'm telling you what I want. It's that you have told me that. Again, God, you don't have to do everything that I want. I'm just asking you to do what you have said. And it is a good thing, isn't it, that God doesn't always give us everything we want, right? I and mean, I remember when I was, if I still had everything I wanted in my life, I would still, like when I was three, five, seven years old, you guys remember those, those ages in your life? You were sure that what you wanted was the right thing? I would still be eating like cookie crisp every day for breakfast, right? and like wearing feety pajamas or something like that, right? No offense to those who've taken pictures, Christmas card pictures and feeding pajamas this year. No, no offense to that. But that's the truth, that I don't always even know what I want. And here's Nehemiah. He says, God, I want as a servant to align with you, and I'm going to be clear that I'm going to ask for success. I'm going to ask for it. And so here's what I guess I'm saying ultimately, is that, that I, there's, there's a question that I, that I want you to, to consider asking in this space, and that is this. What purposes am I aligned with? When I think about the energy and activities of my day, what purposes am I aligned with? Now, that may seem like a big question because you're not gonna roll out of bed and think, man, I need to ask that purpose question before I get my kids ready for school, and I need to ask that purpose question before I... But I want you to consider it. I want you to consider. What is it that is driving my day? What is it that as I look at my day, I get up and I'm like, man, I don't know what I want to do today. You start thinking, man, I want to connect to people. I want to make some money. I want to clean the house. I want to make sure we're raising the kids. I want to get some work done. Uh, what am I actually, though, deeper aligned to? What purposes in this season of life am I actually aligned with? Because what I want for you is this. I don't want you to be afraid of the right kind of success. Because whether we verbalize it or not, we're going to wake up and pursue success in our days. The question is simply going to be, are we going to pursue the right kind of success or a thoughtless kind of success? You're going to pursue quality and rightly so. You want great relationships. You want a great career. You want to retire the way you want to retire. You want a future the way you want it. I get all that. You're going to do that. I'm not afraid of that. I just want you, and I don't want you to be afraid, of asking for the right kind of success that we can align with the purpose of God. And so to that, I want to say this, and then we're going to wrap it up. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid to take the time to discover, adjust, and align with God's purposes. I don't want you to be afraid to take the time to discover, adjust, and align with God's purposes. Let me, let me flesh it out this way. While in the Old Testament, Nehemiah connected with God, and he said, God, I remember when you said this, if you're unfaithful, you'll scatter. If you're faithful, you bring back. Remember that? You said that. Yep, I remember that. And I'm leaning into that as your servant. I think you want to bring people back, so I want to get in line with your purposes. So help me to be successful today, because I'm aligning with your purpose. Now, for me, as someone who follows Christ in this day and age, I don't go back to the Mosaic Covenant. Mosaic Covenant is not the primary covenant that I have with God right now. It has been superseded by what's called the New Covenant in the New Testament, that Jesus come, and He said, "A new command I give to you: love one another. Love one another." And Jesus said throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, which were letters written to account for Jesus and what He did and who He was, over and over again, Jesus is interacting with people. And he's coming, and he's saying things like this. He's saying, um, "I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick." He says things like this, you know, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He's saying things like in Luke 4 when he goes and and, uh, meets (laughs) one of his first messages that he ever preaches, if you will. It's just a few minutes long. Maybe you would like that. It's only a few minutes long. One of the first messages he says, "I I have come, like, here's why I've come. I've come to declare the year of Jubilee. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes on, you know, I've come to make it clear, like uh, to, to free the prisoner, to, to bring sight for the blind, to bring healing to the oppressed, like this is why I've come. Jesus over and over in the, new, the pages of the New Testament clarifies his purpose as a healer, as a restorer, as a redeemer, someone who has come not to judge and condemn, but to issue a new command to love one another to love our neighbor as ourself, and he tie that in to love God with all your heart in a way that no one had done before. And so when I wake up and think about my day and when I think about my future, and this is what I want to encourage you to, when I think about that, I have got to think as someone who follows Christ, to what degree are the words of Jesus coming through the annals of time into the values of my heart and saying, am I here? Am I here to bring healing to the sick? Am I here to bring recovery of sight to the blind? Am I here for justice? Am I here for healing? How is my financial future arranged that I can align with the heart of God the Father, that I can have success because my energies in my finances, in my business plan? in my family planning, in my relationships with my children and my neighbors and my peers, that I can look and say, in this way, God, I want to remember your purposes. Yeah, your son, Jesus Christ, whom I personally say I follow. He came to seek and save the lost. To which degree, to what degree is my day and my season of life aligned to that? To what degree is my day and my season of life aligned to the heart of healing and restoration and redemption? To what degree does my life align to the desire to love and care for a neighbor even whom I disagree with or who might even crucify me like they did Jesus? And so, friends, especially for those who call themselves Christian, I don't want you to waste your life creating meaning that gets washed away when the struggles and pain of life come. Christianity offers a whole lot more than created meaning. It offers discovered meaning. To find that there is a Father heart of God through Jesus Christ that invites us to have success. It is defined by living a quality life in alignment with the discovered purposes of God. And this is why I say, don't be afraid to take the time to discover and to adjust and to align with God's purposes for your family, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your finances, for your future, for your business. Because that is the heart of success. That's what Nehemiah prays for so boldly. Not for himself, but that God would grant him success. So when he gets up in the morning, The weight of life comes down. It is driven straight and clean. Discovering the purpose of God for him in this space of life. So, friends, don't be afraid of this conversation. My hope, my prayer, is that you find success not in what is created meaning, but in discovering and rediscovering and adjusting to the purposes of God, particularly revealed through Christ for you and for me. All right, my friends, next week, Stronger Part 4. I look forward to that conversation to continue to work through Nehemiah. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to be here this morning to pause around this concept of success, to pause around this idea of uh, purpose, of alignment, of adjustment. So I pray that you would give us the the moments that we need to talk to write to engage with our spouses with our friends with our neighbors even maybe internally to process you know maybe there's some spaces that we just know instinctively in our lives right now are just simply not aligned with the purpose of god but is really a pursuit maybe on our own accord i pray that you would deepen our purpose father I pray that you would deepen it and that we get to see and know and understand the heart of a god who throughout time has had a redemptive heart for his people. And so tie us into that, draw us closer to that, I pray. Give us courage to step into the mystery and the ambiguity and the tension that these conversations drive. And then help us to be painfully honest with ourselves and with one another, that our lives will not be a waste of energy that's gone sideways. Can be successful because we're aligned with your heart. Give us success, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray.